We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. If you would turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, as you're turning there, we are in a series called Think Like Jesus. And uh, here, here's the problem, guys, and this is, I'm not pointing my finger at anybody, this is right back at me. Too many times we think like everybody else, we don't think enough like Jesus. So for followers of Jesus, our challenge every day, every moment of every day is I don't want to just think like everybody else in this world. I want to think like Jesus does. So we started in Matthew chapter 5 verse 1 a couple weeks ago and started talking about how does Jesus think about success? How does he think about blessing? Uh, last week we talked about how, how does Jesus think about purpose? And uh, he says that we are to be salt. We are to be the light, right? And so that, that's our purpose is to influence the people around us. And so today we're going to look at what, how does Jesus think about Scripture? And at first you might go, well, you know, the other one seemed cooler. This one doesn't seem to maybe have as much of an effect in my life. But here's, here's the thing. How we think about Scripture shapes so much of our lives. In fact, it could have one of the biggest determinants in our life is how we think about Scripture. So I want to think about Scripture the way that Jesus thinks about Scripture. Now here is the tension. The tension was as Jesus is sharing these words is that there were people who had mistaken his view of Scripture. They had seen his actions. They had seen what he had to say. They had heard what he had to say. And so because they saw him hanging out with drunkards and tax collectors, because they had heard that he had had a conversation with a foreign woman all by herself, which that was totally taboo, that was totally against their rules, because he had healed people on the Sabbath, and at one point he even healed a crippled guy and told the guy to pick up his mat and carry it home on the Sabbath. You don't do work. You don't carry things on the Sabbath. So people had begun to think, he started getting this reputation that Jesus could give a flying rip about the law, that he really didn't care about the Jewish scriptures, he didn't value them. And so because of kind of this, this murmuring and this confusion, Jesus wanted to make it so clear what his view of scripture is. And so he begins, and again, this is, we're, we're reading, you know, several paragraphs into his sermon, but beginning in verse 17, Jesus says, do not misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. Like Jesus, right out of the gates, he says, listen, I don't want you to be confused. I don't want you making assumptions because we all know what happens when you assume, right? He goes, I, I don't want you assuming anything based on things that I've said or things that I've done here. I want you to know I did not come to do away with the Jewish scriptures. I think sometimes when we think about the law, maybe you're like me. There's so many times in my life where I've looked at the law, especially, you know, the Old Testament law, and I've, I've kind of looked at it like, like a kid looks at boiled Brussels sprouts and liver, right? Like it's like, I know it's probably good for me, but do I have to, right? Oh, yeah, you're not getting up from this table until you've stuffed all those in your face, right? And so, but, but here's the thing. So many times it's because we, we look at the rules outside of the context of the relationship. And rules without relationship equals rebellion. 
And so what we forget is that when God gave the law, he gave it out of a certain relationship with the people of Israel. All the way back in Exodus chapter 20, you have a million plus people who have just escaped slavery in Egypt for 400 years. It has shaped their identity. It shaped how they think about themselves. It shaped how they look at each other. And so they've just come out of slavery and Moses, their leader, is led by God in Exodus chapter 20 to begin giving them some commandments. But before he even gave the first commandment, Moses speaking for God says, I am the Lord your God who freed you from Egypt from the place of your captivity. Like right out of the gates, he says, listen, I'm about to give you some rules, I'm about to give you some laws, and, and, and I don't want you thinking of it, I want you to understand the context is my relationship with you. I am the God who frees you. I am the God who rescues you. I am the God who sees your captivity, and I do something about it. And out of that, out of that relationship, out of who I am and what I've done for you, there are some rules that are for your protection, and they're for your good, and they're for your flourishing. And he begins to give the law, and you find that beginning midway through Exodus, and then through your favorite book of the Bible, Leviticus, right? If, you've been, if you read the Bible, that's your favorite, right? Everybody's favorite is Leviticus. Numbers, Deuteronomy, we, we get into the law of God, but we've always got to keep in mind that the law was given out of the context of relationship, of who God is and what he's done for us. Now, as you read through the Old Testament law, you'll find that there's different categories of laws. And this, this is so important because especially in this culture, people hear, oh, you're a Christian? Yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. Oh, you believe the Bible? Yeah, I believe the Bible. Then why are you wearing clothes that are made of mi mixed cloths? You know, like, don't you know the law says? And I'm like, listen, here's the thing you got to understand about the law. There's different categories of the law. There is certainly the timeless, ethical, moral law that is for every generation. Amen? All right? And so I, I still believe in do not murder. <laughs> How about you? Amen? You still believe in do not murder? I, by the way, I believe that's for all ages. Not just for the ages of perfect people, you know. Okay. I, I, I still believe in do not commit adultery. Now, I believe in monogamy. I think it's the best way to do a relationship, right? You should, if you're married and you're sitting next to your spouse, you should be saying amen to that. Even if you don't believe it, you should say amen, right? I still you shouldn't bear false witness against your neighbor, right? Okay, there, there are ethical, timeless, moral truths that are for every generation, for thousands of years, right? That there were, there's parts of the law, you need to understand, parts of the law were the civic law because you have a brand new nation that doesn't have any rules or regulations. You have over a million people coming out of 400 years of captivity, and they've got to know, like, what about property lines, how, how do we, what do we do about the mold that is growing in our home? There's pages of laws in Leviticus about mold and uncleanliness. What do we do about the prevention of diseases? Like, there's a bunch of the law, and I'm telling you, like, if you can't sleep at night, you should get out the book of Leviticus and start reading through some of these national civic laws, right? But can I tell you, those laws, they're not for me today. Now, they're important. Because as we're going to see, they had a function, and we're, we're about to look at that. A third category would be the laws regarding temple worship, and really just worship of God in general, ceremonial aspects of the law, setting up the tabernacle. 
How does the tabernacle need to be set up? What needs to happen first? What does the priest wear? What's the order in which the priest puts those clothes on? Like, how do you do the sacrifices? What are the sacrifices? When do the sacrifices need to take place? There's a whole bunch of that, right? It is good, and it's good for us to know that, and it's good for us to study that, because we're about to see that it has a function, right? So Jesus, Jesus had an incredibly high view of the Jewish scriptures, and the reason why is because it was personal. In fact, look at what he says next. In fact, let's, let's start at the beginning of verse 17. Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to what? To accomplish their purpose. I didn't come to, I didn't come to do away with the law. I'm not against the law. I came, this is Jesus speaking, Jesus, I came to fulfill, to accomplish the purpose of the law. I didn't come to throw down or to destroy the Jewish scriptures. I've come to fulfill them. Now, here's the interesting thing. The actual Greek word that we translate accomplish or fulfill literally means to fill. I know you're sitting there like, thank you, Captain Obvious, right? Like, but here's the cool thing. A lot of Hebrew words or, or Greek words in this, in this uh, context uh, have like word pictures to them. I, I love these ancient languages. And so this word to accomplish, to fulfill, literally means to fill. But it has the, the picture of to fill up like a sail on a boat. If I had a sail up here, it, it would be meaningless because there, there's no wind rushing through this place, Right? And Jesus says, I took what really doesn't seem like it has a lot. When, when I breathe my breath into it, now it has function. Now it can take you somewhere. Now it has purpose. In fact, if you keep reading this sermon that we're in, we started two weeks ago in Matthew chapter 5, verse 1. This whole summer, we're going to work through this Sermon on the Mount and just look at it chunk by chunk, verse by verse. And if you keep reading, and we're going to get to them in a few weeks, you're going to see that Jesus takes some of these ideas from the law, and he says, you've heard it said, but I tell you, and he's going he's to breathe life into these sayings that, that really had become confusing over the years. He never negates the law. Rather, Jesus gives fuller meaning to the law. Jesus goes from the physical action of the law to the heart motivation of the law. He clearly honored the Jewish scriptures. And so what I'm after is thinking like Jesus. I want to think like Jesus thought. I want to think like Jesus thought about purpose. I want to think like Jesus thought about success. But I also want to think about scripture the way that Jesus thought about Scripture. And as I think about Scripture, the way that Jesus thought about Scripture, I'm gonna, I'm gonna naturally do some certain things. In fact, if you're following along in your notes, we got several blanks that we'll fill in. Number one, I will value God's Word. If I think the way that Jesus thought about Scripture, it'll lead me to valuing God's Word. I'll value God's Word. Look at what he says next. The very next verse, Matthew chapter 5, we're now in verse 18. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. So we should understand how extremely important the word of God was to Jesus. He valued it. In fact, uh, let me ask you a question. We got this worked out now in this service, so we'll, we'll get this. But uh, how many times throughout the Gospels, so Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, 
How many times do you think Jesus quoted from the Old Testament? What do you think? How many times do you think he quoted, made a direct quote from the Old Testament? Twelve. I heard 150. It's actually less than 150. It's more than 12. He quotes 78 times. Jesus directly quoted from the Old Testament. Can I, so I, I started looking this up, and here's, here's the list of Old Testament books that Jesus quoted from. And saying these out loud is like, real, when I first said these out loud, I was like, whoa. He quoted from Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Psalms, Proverbs, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Amos, Jonah, Micah, and Malachi. Okay, now that sounds, that sounds some of you are going, okay, I know you think that's impressive. <laughs> Here's what's so bonkers about this. Jesus didn't have this. Jesus didn't have a paper copy of the Jewish scriptures of the Old Testament. Jesus' only access to the Jewish scriptures was scrolls that would be stored at the local synagogue. What that tells us is that Jesus so valued scripture that he would seek out, that he would even spend his free time going to the synagogue, spreading out the scrolls, memorizing whole chunks of the Old Testament. He put it in his heart. He valued it so much. Isn't that crazy to think about? So here's a question, what would my life look like and what would your life look like if we truly valued God's word? What would it look like if we valued God's word over YouTube and Netflix and sports? Some of you are like, YouTube, I got you. Sport. Oh, wait, man, no. Don't talk about my God. <laughs> talk about other people's idols. If we valued God's word, think about, think about what would happen if we valued God's word the way that Paul, speaking to Timothy, said that we should value God's word, that we would allow God's word to teach us and rebuke us and correct us and train us. That when we see something in the Bible that we don't like or that we don't quite understand, that instead of just shutting it and walking away from it, that we would go, yeah, I'm going to allow God's word to mess with me for a little bit. I'm going to allow it to change me. Now, here, here's the problem. Whenever a preacher talks about reading God's word, what happens instantly, and I know this is true because I see it in your faces, is instantly what happens is we start to feel guilt. And I don't want you to feel guilt about reading God's word. What I understand from a lot of just personal conversations with people sitting across the table is one of the reasons why we don't read God's word like we know we should read God's word is it just seems so incredibly intimidating. And, and you probably wouldn't say that out loud on a Sunday morning, but as I sit with you just personally, a lot of people would say, I know I'm supposed to read the Bible, and I have this low-grade guilt, especially when I go into church and a pastor starts preaching about it. I, just, I feel guilty, but I just, I just don't even know how to start. I tried reading the Bible before. It didn't work for me. Like I, I didn't get anything out of it. Can I just challenge you? Here, here's some, uh, just a few simple hacks. Just start in the Gospels. And start reading about the life and ministry of Jesus. 
And you don't have to read for pages. I mean, if you're, if, if that, if you're driven to do that, I have a friend who he started in Matthew, and I was like, hey, let's get together, write down some questions that you have, and we'll go to Wendy's, and, and I'll answer the questions that you have. And two weeks later, we go to Wendy's, and he's got a whole notebook full of questions. I said, think you read more than Matthew? And he goes, yeah, I read the whole New Testament. I said, that's, that's not what I asked you to do. He goes, I couldn't stop reading. Like, I've never seen anything like this before. So I, I'm not saying you need to do that, but I'm just saying, like, maybe read a few paragraphs and just think about it and write down the questions you have and interact with it a little bit. Don't, don't read it in a translation that you understand. I know there's a lot of people who say there's one specific translation that you're supposed to read from, but if you can't understand it, find one you can. The best translation is the one that you're actually going to read. Okay, you can have the magical translation that is better than all the other ones, and if it just sits on your dining room table and you never open it up, it's not doing anybody any good, right? Okay, so, so read a translation that you can understand. Read for a few paragraphs. Ask yourself, what is going on here? What does this mean? What are the implications? Like, like really allow it to mess with you. Here, here's a thought. I, t- I talk to people who say, Ken, I'm not a good reader, I'm not going to ask you for a show of hands, but I guarantee you statistically that in a room with this number of people, there's a lot of you who really struggle with reading. Can I just encourage you? Jesus probably very rarely actually read the Bible for himself. Most of the time he was listening to scripture. For the first 1,500 years of the church, most followers of Jesus never read the Bible for themselves. They heard the Bible read to them. So here's, here's the thing. Some of you are like, I went all the way through high school and I never read a book. Well, first of all, congratulations. Okay. Secondly, I get that any book is intimidating. So, so there are so many helps now for listening to Scripture. And it's not a cop-out. Okay? In fact, that's a lie from the enemy. Well, if I listen to Scripture, I'm not as good of a Christian. No, no, no. If, if you're, Scripture is Scripture. Read it. Listen to it. I don't care how you expose yourself to Scripture. Get it in you. Value it, right? So if you go to Bible.com, we'll put that up there in a moment, Bible.com, simple website, you can download the Bible app, and when you look at Scripture, it, first of all, you could choose a translation that works for you. So I tell people, just pick a passage of Scripture and then just look at it in a bunch of translations and see. And, and then here's the cool thing. A lot of the translations, not all of them, have a, have a way that if you click the little like, ear icon or sound icon, it'll, it'll read it to you. And some of the more popular translations have multiple narr- narrations for it. So you can hear it read in a woman's British voice. Maybe that doesn't do anything for you. You can read it in a masculine English. You can read it in like a hip-hop version. Seriously, like there's crazy. You should, look, you should listen to all the different translations and all the different uh, um, narrators that, that are doing You can listen to it with music in the background. Maybe that puts you to sleep. You can listen to it without music in the background. There's, and it's all free. It's free. You don't have to pay a penny for it. So I want to challenge you, if, if I'm going to value God's word, I've got to read it. I've got to listen to it. Another great resource is the BibleInOneYear.org. That's something that I've been using over the last couple of years. And it, what it does is I can listen to it or I can read it and I go through the Bible in one year. I know it sounds crazy, right? And, and here's the great thing is that every day there's helps, there's a commentary or teaching that helps me understand what I'm reading. Because some days, I'll be honest, especially in some of the Old Testament stuff, I'm reading and I'm going, I don't understand. I'm, I'm a pastor of a church. 
And I don't understand that paragraph. And so it's nice to have some teaching, some commentary to help me to go, oh, that's what's going on. Because I was totally lost, right? Can we just be honest, right? Okay, so if I'm going to think the way that Jesus thinks about Scripture, I've got to value Scripture. I've got to value the Word of God, which means I, I, actually, I actually engage with it. I actually read it. I listen to it. I think about it. I ask the question, so what? When I'm done listening or I'm done reading, before I walk away from it, I go, okay, so what? What do I do with this today? Not in a snarky, sarcastic way, but just what, what do I need? How do I need to think different about God? How do I need to think different about myself? How do I need to think different about others? Is there an action that I need to, maybe I need to call somebody today. Maybe I need to maybe sit down and have a conversation. Whatever it would be, so what? What does scripture do to change my life? Okay, so first of all, I will value God's word. Number two, I will obey God's word. I will obey God's word. Look at what he says next. The very next verse in Matthew chapter five, Jesus says, so if you ignore the least commandment and teach others to do the same, you will be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But anyone who obeys God's laws and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. See, God's word is not meant to merely be listened to or to be read. It is meant to be acted upon. It is meant to be obeyed. And as we obey God's word, we also begin to share and communicate God's word with the people around us. So years after Jesus' death and resurrection and ascension, his half-brother, who, by the way, had never believed that Jesus was the son of God until after Jesus' resurrection, his half-brother James writes some really compelling words when it has to do with obeying God's word. James says this, and this is in James chapter 1, beginning with verse 22. Do not just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. We, we've all in the morning, well, hope, hopefully you do this, in the morning you, you get up and at some point in your morning routine you look in a mirror, right? And when you look in the mirror you see this beautiful face looking back at you, right? In the morning sometimes, let's just be honest, sometimes in the morning, you know, you still have the crust in your eyes and saliva still pasted to your beard and all that. And sometimes you look in the mirror and you go, oh, you are U-G-L-Y, you ain't got no alibi, you ugly, right? Like, like, that's just for the guys. Ladies, you are just glowing and beautiful all the time, so you don't have to worry about this. But there are times where I look in the mirror and there is something staring back at me that I have a choice. I can either do something about it or I can just walk away and not do anything, right? Like when my nose hairs are starting to get so long that they look like they're part of my beard, right? Like, I can, listen, I'm midlife now, so this is just reality. Like, I can choose, I can choose to walk away because I don't really care what anybody thinks about me. Or I can choose to get out the, the nose clippers and, the, and, and try to do something to, to help you all since you have to stare at me for, for a few minutes. Listen, 
It's just, some, so many times we read the Bible and we go, oh, yeah, oh, that's, oh, let me get out a highlight. Oh, that's a good one to highlight. Oh, oh, that's good. I'm going to share that one on social media. That's so good. And then we walk away from it, and we don't do anything about it. God's word is not meant to just be read or listened to. It is meant to be acted upon. It is meant to be obeyed. If you're a follower of Christ, part of the journey of following Christ is obeying God's word. So I'm going to ask you a question, and this is a hard question for everybody in this room, and I'm not trying to make anybody feel guilty in this moment, but is there something, as a follower of Jesus, is there something, you've been reading God's word, and there's a point of scripture that you have not been obeying, that you know you're supposed to obey, and it has now become a barrier. In fact, I would submit to you that that you're at a point where you can't even grow as a follower of Christ because there's this place of disobedience and you just have not gotten past it. And for some, maybe it's just an issue of, I need help to get past it. For some of you, it's just a matter of, I don't want to get past it. I don't want to obey it. I don't want to do what the Bible's asking me to do. It's asking too much. I don't want to forgive him. I don't want to forgive her. I don't want to, you know, just... Fill in whatever blank you would be. Can I submit, you are not going to flourish in your relationship with Christ until you obey what God has put in front of you to obey. I know it's really quiet in this room. God's word is not meant to just be read or to be listened to. It is meant to be obeyed. And here's the thing, your heavenly father loves you so much. He's not asking you to obey because he's a cosmic killjoy who's trying to suck the life out of you. He's calling you to obey because he knows when you obey his word, you begin to become a little more like him. And as you become more like him, you begin to value others around you the way that he values them. What is the obstacle in your life that you have not started obeying. Maybe you need help. And listen, hi, my name is Ken and I have needed help. Hi, my name is Ken. I have sat down with a counselor. I have talked to other pastors. I've sat down with people I trust and just said, I need help getting past whatever it might be. So if, if I'm gonna think the way that Jesus thinks about scripture, I'm gonna value the word of God. I'm gonna obey the word of God. And here's the third one, and this, this really is the big one. I'll be transformed by the word of God. I'll be transformed by God's word. Jesus closes, we call these sections, this is one long sermon, but man, we w- if, for us to go through this in one long sermon, we would be here for, for, for all day and maybe a couple days. So this is the end of kind of this little section that we're looking at today, and the next week we're going to pick up in the next section. But he says this in verse 20, and this, this can be hard. He says, but I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you're listening to the sermon 2,000 years ago, the religious leaders and Pharisees, they were like, you know what I mean? They walked around, they dressed in perfection, they lived in perfection, they were just a little bit taller than everybody else. I mean, they smelled good, like they, they, they had it going, and Jesus goes, no, your righteousness needs to surpass their righteousness. And the people are going, 
we can't. There's no way that our righteousness could surpass their righteousness. But listen, just because there is external obedience doesn't mean that there is real transformation. The religious leaders knew scripture. They had it memorized. They prayed it. They sang all the right songs. They fasted on the right days. They never missed a service. From the outside, they looked like the very picture of righteousness and morality. But what Jesus knew is that they weren't allowing God's word, they weren't allowing the scriptures to change their hearts and their motivations and the way that they viewed others. They didn't truly love their fellow man. They loved being important. They loved having people see them. They they loved the prominence. They, They loved the reputation. They used scripture as a weapon to control others, but they never allowed it to bring lasting correction and transformation to their own lives. And Jesus looked at his disciples and he looked at his followers, I think just the way that he would look at you and I this morning, and he says, it's got to be different with you. You'll never experience my kingdom, you'll never experience my presence and my rule and my reign in your life until you allow scripture to change your affections and your thinking. See, it's not just, I know point two was about obedience, but it's not just obedience because listen, we can obey perfectly, it's still not love. We, we can have it all down. We can come in. We can, we, can, we can hallelujah at just the right time. We can do everything just right externally, but our hearts can be far from God. And Jesus says, listen, it's not about the external. It's about your heart. And this is really, honestly, this is the most important. One time, Luke recorded Jesus having a conversation with the religious leaders. And li- listen, Jesus wasn't just this, Jesus wasn't, so many times in, in some of the portrayals, especially some of the ones from like 30, 40 years ago, Jesus was kind of this wussy, like just kind of walked around like mousy. You know what I mean? He was not mousy. Look, uh, Luke eleven thirty nine. Then 39, then the Lord Jesus said to him, you Pharisees are so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are filthy. You are full of greed and wickedness. We, we, can, we can look so nice, so polished on the outside. I mean, this is one of my favorite mugs. I, I, I looked through the kitchen. I was like, I love this mug. But you know what? If, if, I just, if I never pay attention to the inside, it doesn't matter how the, the outside looks. If I never pay attention to the inside, it's just disgusting. It's just, <laughs> you don't want to be a part of this. And so many, for Christianity, so many people, that's our, our sole concern is how do I look? What do people think? What are they going to think about me? It's that whole Instagram of my life. Like, I just want everyone to see, you know, the cropped, nice version, filtered version of me. And Jesus says, you know what? I could give a flying rip about the outside. You want to know what I care about? What's your inside? How are you on the inside? How, do you, how are you thinking about the other people around you? How are you loving the other people around you? How are you reacting? Because a reaction, I can't fake that, right? How am I reacting to the people around me? And, and, and so if, if you're externally motivated, right about now you're going, okay, how do I, how do I fix that for people, you know? Like, and, the, and the simple truth of the matter is I can't fix this. 
I can't. You know, the only thing I can do is say, Jesus, I want to bring this into your light. Have mercy on me, oh God. I've sinned against you. I've had jealousy in my heart and greed. I've been so selfish. I've set up all these things in my life as being more important than you. God, have mercy. And I begin to cooperate with him. I begin to value his word. I obey his word. I treasure his word. I've hidden his word in my heart that I might not sin against him. How can a young man uh, live in a, in a pure way by living according to your word? I, begin, I, I just begin to prioritize the word of God. I cooperate with God, but I also begin to cooperate with the body of Christ. And I find some safe people, some people that I trust who are a couple steps ahead of me in this journey of following Christ. And I just say, can I just be honest with you and, 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 and find out? I mean, and you don't do this with all of your crap to begin with. You do it with a little bit of your crap to see how they'll react. And then when you know that you can trust them and that they're not a gossiper and if they really do care about you, one day you just say, that's me. Will you help me? Will you walk with me? Will you pray with me? And here's the thing that I've learned about transformation. Like, I, I want transformation to be suddenly. I want it to be the miracle of I came to church and I leave and I'm totally different. And you know what? I believe those things can happen. I believe addictions can fall off. But you know what my experience is? More times than not, there are whole parts of our lives where the transformation is, is just a long obedience in the same direction. We had a, a farmer in our first service named Dan, and he was just telling me his soybeans uh, that, uh, you know, for the longest time, it just seemed like nothing was happening, right? You know, our lives, maybe there's whole seasons where we just go, is anything happening? Is anything growing? Is there any progress? But he was telling me this past week, he said, those soybeans look like they were growing in front of my eyes. Like, I think I could have said, I think I could have measured them at the end of the day, could have actually seen, like, there, there are days where we just go, yeehaw, right? Those are growth days, and we celebrate that. And there are whole seasons where we just go, man, is anything, is I'm doing this, I'm valuing God's word, I'm, I'm reading it, I'm, I'm obeying it, I, I, don't, I just don't see it. It's kind of like if you, if you have a 401k or maybe you've dabbled in Robin Hood with stocks or whatever, they always tell you, don't, don't keep looking at your 401k. Don't keep looking at your stocks, right? That's a good way to depress yourself, right? Like, you got to set it and forget it. You got to set it and, 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 and then a year from now, hopefully, two years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you look and, and you see that, oh, it has made progress. It is moving in the right direction. It's a long obedience in the same direction. That's what transformation is. Jesus never said, come and be perfect. He said, come and follow me. Maybe you don't have it all figured out yet. Maybe there's some real questions that you have about the Bible and God and you're trying to figure out who is Jesus. And, what. and Jesus says, you know, just come and follow me. Just come and follow me. Come, come and listen to me. Come listen to what I have to say. Come start obeying. Just start obeying me. 
And after a while, you look back and you have a Peter who looks back and he goes, oh, I can't even believe what Jesus has done in my life. If I'm going to think the way that Jesus thinks about Scripture, I'm going to value the Word of God. I'm going to obey the Word of God. I'm going to allow the Word of God to transform me. And here's the thing. Here's, here's the inspirational part for me. Maybe it doesn't do anything for you. But for, for me, this is so incredible thing. What would it look like if there was 100 people in Sandusky County who got this? Just started valuing God's Word and obeying God's word and allowing God's word to transform us. And slowly, some of this crust, some of this crap starts being scraped out and dealt with. Can you imagine what Whirlpool would start looking like? Can you imagine what Impact Credit Union would start looking like? Can you imagine what Fremont Ross High School would start looking like? Can you imagine, if there's just a, just a group of people just started, I'm, I'm just gonna value God's word. I'm gonna obey God's word. I'm gonna allow God's word to transform me. Do you think it would make a difference? Do you think our marriages would be stronger? Do you think our relationships with our kids and our grandkids would be strong? Absolutely. So we, it just starts with being faithful. It just starts. Can, can I tell you, there's nothing sexy about reading God's word for a day or for a couple of days or for a couple of weeks. In fact, I've had people sit across from me and they're like, I did it and it didn't work. I'm like, how long did you do it? I did it for five days, and it didn't work. That's like me getting on a treadmill for five days, and every day you pull up my shirt and look, and it's still the same big gut. But if I keep doing it every day, and I start watching what I'm eating, there's going to come a day where I'll pull up my shirt, and I'll go, oh, if I suck in just right, I can see some abs. <laughs> right? Come on, Right? It's cumulative. I keep valuing God's word. I keep obeying God's word. I keep allowing God's word to transform me. I keep just coming back to him and saying, here I am. I belong to you. Do what you want to do. Would you stand to your feet? God sees you. He loves you. You're valuable to him. This word this morning isn't because God doesn't like you. It's because he loves you and he wants the best for you. And he wants the best for your family. He wants the best for this community. So we just close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment. And let's just, just Jesus. I pray that nobody in this room would walk out in condemnation. I hope no one will walk out and go, well, I feel guilty-er. God, I pray that we would walk out going, Lord, I believe that this week you will empower me and strengthen me to value your word. I don't need to read pages of it, but can I give five minutes to you? Can I listen for five minutes? Can I read for five minutes? Can I have a posture of humility of saying, God, I don't just want to read, I want to obey. God, would you transform me? As I renew my mind with your word, would you transform me, oh God? And would you be glorified? And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, before you leave, usually when I say that, people start walking out. Like as soon as I, I say, before you leave, and you see like 20 people are like, all right. Before you leave, I'm gonna ask our prayer partners to come to the front. If you're here and you need prayer, 
Maybe there's something going on in your body. Maybe there's something going on in your home, something going on in your finances. Maybe you were here this whole service and you're like, I need Jesus. I need Jesus in a greater way than I've experienced him. I need him to come in my life and forgive me and lead me. Our prayer partners would love to pray with you. And if we have some others, maybe to come over on this side, even if you're not scheduled, if you help, help me out with that, and thank you. Um, we would love to pray with you. So if you need prayer, please don't walk out of here without receiving prayer. We would love, love, love to pray with you. Also, your connection cards that Pastor Aaron talked about at the beginning. Maybe you need to make a commitment. And so on the bottom, you'll see my next step is on the bottom of that connection card. Look at that. Just, you know, before you leave, just kind of look through that list, and maybe there's a place that, that you need to obey. Maybe there's an area where you need to make a commitment. You need to start a relationship with Christ, or you need to get baptized, or you need to find out about life groups. Make sure to check those. And then we have uh, some good-looking people in the back with the white buckets, and as you're leaving, they would love to take your connection cards this morning. Hey, God bless you. Have a great week. Pray for our camps. We have two uh, weeks of camps. A thousand kids are going to be at kids camp this week in Heartland. So pray for our camps this week. God bless you guys.